Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will pack someone, and we hope that someone is you. Uh, thank you to all the listeners each week that take the time and hear our stories, and we know it's going to impact somebody. We hope that somebody is you. So please take a moment to subscribe and just share this on your social favorite social media platform. Uh, give us a review, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, quick announcement, here on June 10th, there's going to be a men's conference here in Salem, Oregon. It's called the Pacific Northwest Men's Conference. Should be about 2,000 men there. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, get signed up right away. Uh, this morning, uh, I have a new guest, and I'm excited to introduce him. His name is Richie Sebi. Welcome, Richie. Thank you so much, buddy. Hey, I want to just dive in and introduce you real quick and just tell about what I do know about you. Something I learned today is you're married. And you're also in the last part of your master's program here at Corbin, which is cool. Uh, you played baseball at Corbin as well for four years. That's awesome. You are studying clinical and mental health counseling. Uh, you're a youth group pastor. Uh, you have a podcast called Stories with Richie. It's pretty cool, by the way. And you're also an interpreter for missionaries, which is really, really cool. So you have a lot that we can talk about today. So let's just dive in. Here we go. Well, uh, born and raised in San Pedro de Macorís. So that town is very well known for very good baseball players. So I can mention Sammy Sosa, someone who was part of the revival of baseball, I could say. Um, um, we have Robinson Cano. Uh, we have Fernando Tatis Jr., which is right now one of uh, the stars in the game. They all have, they all are human who have failed, but but they have taken our country to the, less, the next level. Yeah. And they have opened a lot of doors for people like me to be able to uh, play baseball as a profession and just make progress in life. So going back to the DR. So it's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful country that has, you know, beautiful places to visit. Um, people are amazing, uh, family-oriented, community-oriented, I could say. Um, I remember growing up that even though I was, uh, my parents were in charge of me, but even the neighbors, they had a responsibility to take care of me. I remember my parents moved here and I knew that my neighbors were paying attention to my actions because they they kept me accountable. So that's like the environment growing up. Um, and baseball is a big thing. Uh, that's what we do um, every single day. So I started playing baseball when I, was, when I was five years old. So I've played baseball for 18 years. And yeah, uh, growing up playing baseball, going to school, I played a lot of sports uh, growing up, uh, basketball, mm -hmm. volleyball. Love soccer, and I can tell you, I mean, my country is a beautiful place. Like other, every place they have their ups and downs. Uh, so, the, I think my environment shaped me uh, in a lot of ways uh, to be who I am today. Uh, specifically, my family. So, I think I bring to the table. I can mention my oldest brother Eric Benjamin, uh leadership with the youth group. Uh, Gilberto, my middle brother, um, he has uh, the baseball mindset and 
building connections, the same as my dad. My dad, my dad always says, uh, do not waste your time. Your time is uh, money, uh, or I could say gold, if I were to say it in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, oh, by the way, Spanish is my first language. Uh, people here in Oregon, they get surprised to see a black person um, speaking Spanish. So I consider myself Afro-Latino. That's yeah. a, that's a term. Um, so, yeah, uh, my family has influenced a lot. My mom uh, has influenced in my uh, pursuing, in my desire to pursue psychology. Uh, that's one of the reasons um, why I'm doing this and following this career, because I want to make a difference, because I saw my mom um, working. She had a tiny shop, and she used to sell cartons, uh, and some people used to come not to buy her stuff, but to ask for advice and they were seeking for help. Mm. When I saw that growing up, I was like, wow, that's a, that's an amazing skill. And coming all, all the way up here to Corvin, uh, that's why, well, that's the reason why I chose this career. So, so how'd you get from the Dominican to Corvin? So you're playing baseball, uh, why Corbin? Why Corbin? So let me go back. Uh, so let's go back to 2016. So I was playing in a tournament uh, called RVI. Uh, that's like rescuing the baseball of the inner of the city. That's even something that happened here in the U.S. Uh, so they have that tournament down there. And I remember playing. Um, I was a good player. Um so I play shortstop, switch hitter, so I can do everything you need. Like I can run, I can do everything. So, I mean, the Lord has provided these skills, so I can glorify him in this game. So playing, going back, I played that tournament and I had a, an interesting experience that shaped my life um, because while playing that tournament, I hit 400, 400 uh, which is... Pretty good, really good for baseball. So I was in the uh, top list. I was number four, and then they were um, after I played a tournament. So what they did, the main goal of that tournament is to come to the U.S. and play uh, in Minnesota, played like the championship. So that's like the dream of every kid growing up in the DR. Like that would be amazing having the opportunity to represent your continent abroad. Mm. While playing in that tournament, um, I didn't even make it to to represent my town, even though I had the numbers. And to me, that was heartbreaking. And I remember going back home and I started crying. And I remember saying, you know, whenever I'm in a position of power, I want to provide justice because I don't think that's what I experienced in that situation. During that time, I decided to quit baseball. So, because I was like, you know, this is a wow. very disappointing experience. And I just, I don't think it's worth uh, continuing playing because people are taking um, into consideration the work I'm putting. So I started to start coaching. I remember my dad and my middle brother, I remember being in the room. I was like, you know, I'm retired for baseball. I'm done. And then they started having a conversation. They were like, hey, okay, we respect your decision, however, could you please continue uh, coaching in the Little League? And you can train on your own, but, you know, don't fully quit what you 
difficult to do. So I was okay, I listened to them. And then I started learning Eng English and that's how I started connecting with missionaries. And I was interpreting uh, from English to Spanish and vice versa. So that's how I was able to use my skills. Are you still in high school at this point in time? During that time I was done with uh, college, but I couldn't continue. I had to drop out of college because I couldn't have- Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so I'm at this point where baseball is not working. I tried to attend to college, but I cannot afford it. Um, I was okay. What can I do? Okay, let's go with English and continue training and helping the little, the kids in the little league. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for a year, and my coach, I remember Jose Guzman. He was like, "Richie, you should you should give it a try. Go back to the tournament. You know, this is your last year. I know what happened, but you you should give it a try. Like, you never know." I was like, "You know what?" Let me go. I was out of shape. Living. Um, anyways, I was able to perform well. I remember in just thirty at bats, I was able to hit like four triples, RBIs. So I did all what was in my control and that's a good it was a good learning experience that sometime, even though you put the work and you put you put whatever it is required, sometimes you just can't control what you can control. Right. So I did very well. I was able that year to make it to um represent my town and that was huge and then not just that but i was able to represent the dominican republic in the it wasn't in the war series it was like uh before the war series so we played florida that was my first time coming to the u.s so i did that and it was an amazing experience and then i went back to the dominican republic and i was like, okay what's next with my life and i was like, okay let's continue with english looking for jobs and then my parents moved here and the, specifically to Oregon. So they had a connection. Uh, there was someone, someone that was willing to sponsor that. I was like, hey, let's be patient and who knows what happened. So my middle brother helped me with the process and I came uh, to visit my parents. And I was like, okay, now I'm here in Oregon. What can I do? So I started applying to different, um, I didn't know the difference between a community college or an university. Mm -hmm. So I started going to community colleges and some of them were like, oh, you're good, but like we, we cannot help you out uh, with what you need. Um, and I was okay, it was a learning. I mean, yeah. it was like another sample. Okay, even though you, you have the talent, it doesn't mean that you deserve um, right. uh, what you think you deserve. So, and then I went to uh, a community college and one of the coaches, uh, the head coach, he was like, you know what? I know someone at Corbin University and you mentioned you're a Christian and, you know, I'll love to connect you with the head coach with their le Derek Leg and brother. Yes. Uh, and I was like, okay, let me give it a try. So I started reaching out to Corbin and they gave me the opportunity to uh, do some tryouts and after that they they welcomed me so I was that's how I was able to connect with Corbin and also the Hispanic church in Beaverton was uh, another huge connection yeah. for me uh, to put myself on. Is that where you go to church now? Still yeah. The church up in... That's where I'm going right now. Right on. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. That's so cool. Well okay so you're here uh, when was your last year that you played? Last year. Okay so last year. Last year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So now you're in your MBA program. Yes. Yes. Got it. So walk me through a little bit. You got married. 
Yeah. And you've been married for a couple years? Eight, almost two years. Almost two years. So how'd you meet your wife? And uh, I want to hear about that story. Yes. I met my wife during 2020. Uh, well, I've, I've met her before. Well, I think it was in 2020. Yeah. Um, right before COVID. Yeah. Um, at Corbin, I used to lead like a small group, like a prayer group, because that's something that was part of me uh, leading youth group in the Dominican Republic. And yeah. moving here, I was like, you know, I need this community. Like I seen it. And also I saw the need, um, even though it was a Christian school, but I, I saw, I sometimes have different mindsets. So I saw the need and I started doing this. And um, Valerie, well, now it's Olson, but she used to be Smith. Okay. Uh, Michael's sister. I remember we came into Corbin during a spring semester. So I met Valerie and then through Valerie, I met my wife, Mariah. Got it. So during COVID, I was single. I was like, you know, I'm looking for someone. And I remember of Mariah who came uh, to the prayer group one night Ooh. and she mentioned about doing something related to coaching. I was like, wow, that's like, this is like transformational coaching. I was like, this is something interesting. Yeah. And it'll be cool to uh, pursue that instead of pursuing a master. So it was an interesting conversation and I wanted to get to know her. So I was like, okay, you should DM her and see what happens. So I was typing, hey, how you doing? Um, I would love to, you know, see how, uh, get to know you more. But then I was like, okay, if I DM her, she's not going to take me as seriously as if she sees me in person. Dude. So it would be better if you wait until you go back to school so that you can see her in person. So I was patient and I decided to uh, wait until the fall semester of 2020. And then I was having lunch one time with Valerie and then... Mariah, Mariah joined the conversation. Great. I was like, I've been waiting for this moment. So, and then we started talking from there and um, we got to share about our stories and we became very good friends. And especially a lot of things happened when we first met. So there were the fires here. Yeah. So it was super sad, but those situations help us connect yeah. and even for baseball, I was quarantined because people around me tested positive. So that was more time that we spent together. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we started a beautiful friendship. And then uh, we realized after seven months, we realized that we were meant mm -hmm. to each other. So we got engaged. Yeah. And then a few months later, we got married. So, so inside of a year, you met her, dated, got married. Yes. Wow. Did you take her back to the DR to get married, or where did you guys get married? We got married here in okay. McMinnville. McMinnville, okay. Yes. Yeah. So, and then for our honeymoon, we went to the DR. Oh, you did? Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, she had visited the DR, but just at the airport. Airport. She hadn't got to town. So, um, yeah, we went on our honeymoon to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. And the first time it was rough because I am very, you know, as I said, family-oriented and friends. So she, by the time, she was more like an introvert person uh -huh. and I'm an extrovert. Yeah. So I imagine that clash of me taking her. Like, yes. So I took her to see every neighbor in the community. Uh, that's what you do. And that's what, that's normal. Took her to see every family member. 
And I remember one time it was really hot and my grandma even offered her some coffee. She was like, how is this possible? So it was, for me, it was normal, but for her. Yeah, drink coffee, man. Yes. So the culture are different. So we've, we've learned so much just in uh, almost two years of being married. So the Lord has been um, very good. I'm very thankful to be married to her. Yeah. So she brings a lot of, um, a lot of skills that I, uh, do not have that I'm learning and working and she's very empathetic um, and it's been amazing to be doing our masters together so we're so she's also doing her masters at Corbin yes we're doing the same thing uh, we're doing our um, masters in clinical mental health counseling both of you it's yeah. awesome and you go both will graduate at the same time yes and then will you guys work together in a clinic somewhere on your own practice what does that look like so um, at the beginning, yes, that's one of our goal. Hopefully to start our own practice or probably learn from someone and understand about the system of counseling and the business part. Yeah. And my personal goal is to, uh, work with baseball players or athletes in general, uh, you know, have 18 years of experience doing this. And my goal will be to share what I've learned over time with other people. And having athletes as your main client. Yeah. For you, your wife may have a different clientele. Yes. Yeah. For her, she's more focused with women. Uh, that's like her passion. And I'm like, if that's what you love, you know, yeah. go for it. So, you yeah. know, yeah, I have my passion with, uh, sports, sports athletes. So, yeah. yeah. Are kids in your guys' future? Is that something you guys look forward to? Yes. Yes. I wanted to have 10 kids, <laughs> but yes, but then, uh, She's fine, hopefully with three. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's never, Lord willing, you guys never. Uh, just a quick story. So my dad, uh, he has eight brothers and five sisters, so he had 14 kids in his family. Wow. And so I can remember the first time I took my wife, you know, we were dating, took her to my hometown, little hometown, Prineville, Oregon, uh, Central Oregon, and I'm like you. I took her out and introduced her to all the cousins and aunts and uncles because that's what I do. And she's like overwhelmed and... And now we've been married for 31 years and she's definitely more introverted as well. Like your wife and it never gets easier for her, but, uh, she, she endures, uh, but it's, it's kind of funny, but you don't have a real similar, mm -hmm. even though I didn't grow up in the DR, but we love family. I mean, I'm all about, I'm at Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, there's a hundred plus people. Wow. Always. It's just what it is. And so that's normal for me, mm -hmm. but that's great, man. You're a real family oriented man. Do you guys think you'll live in Lake Midville or you guys move back to the, to the DR? What would that look like? Um, yes, I would love to uh, move to the DR. Hopefully, once we have kids, um, I would love for them to have a closeness to the culture, if possible. Um, also, I would love for them to learn the language. Um, so Mariah is learning her some Spanish. So, uh, so it's a it's a progress. That's cool. So about a year ago, I believe it was, you started your own podcast. Yes. Walk me, walk me through that. You know, stories with Richie. I know the name of it. Uh, I've got to watch one, one episode, mm -hmm. uh, which is really awesome. Husband and wife. Mm, okay. Uh, how many have you done? Uh, what made you started and what's your goal with your podcast? Hope. That's a, uh, 
meaningful work through Philippians four, yeah. six through seven, man. Yes, let me let me I have it right here. So Philippians four six and seven says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in, G in Christ Jesus. So I remember being in a, while I was here in the U.S., I found myself, I was in a, uh, in a youth, youth group. I remember Manuel was leading, and for some reason that Bible verse stuck to me, like it's been with me. Ever since, because I was in that time, okay, I made it to the U.S. However, I don't have a clear purpose. Like, I cannot see the path of where I'm headed. Like, I feel kind of hopeless, even though I was here. Yeah. So, I was kind of anxious. I was worried and concerned. And today, I see myself that the Lord has helped me in so many ways. And I've seen that. The challenges that I over that I've overcome, uh, you know, financial situation. I couldn't afford to go to college in the Dominican Republic, hmm. and today I'm doing my masters in the United States. It's pretty cool, isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So, like, when I look back, like, not a lot of people that went to school with me have been able to experience this opportunity that I've been blessed, um, and that is, and I cannot say, okay, I did it on my own. Because there are so many people that helped me um, to be where I am today. Yeah. So it'll be like so selfish to say. Yeah. Here, look at me. Look what I've done. Yes. So for me, it was like, I remember being in class. Uh, it was a children and adolescent class. So for some reason, during that class, I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, you need to start sharing people's stories. You need to start some, you need to provide a place where people can, uh, share who they are, what they've gone through, and how they were able to overcome these challenges. So that's where Stories with Richie comes from. Um, come from this um, idea of that, okay, whether you are, you, wherever you are in life today, it doesn't determine um, who you are. Like, that is hope. So I realized that a lot of people are, you know, in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, where they might feel stuck or like how we just recently listened to another podcast of someone struggling with addictions. Uh, and that's part of the stories. Uh, we have couples, we have uh, athletes, um, people who were addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Stories with Rich is about stories to motivate others uh, and to pursue their goals, uh, to realize that that is hope uh, if we trust in God, that he can help us overcome our challenges. And just me, where do I see this uh, moving forward? Um, so right now I'm planning to take a break. And one of my goals is to take this time to help other people to um, pursue their goals with podcasting. Ooh. So I'm more into uh, going to a tr transition to be behind the scene helping other people grow and get this movement going. If I was able to do it, you can do it. And I, I'm happy to share what I've learned and 
how I want to see other people growing. Yeah. So that's that brings me joy. Yeah. So that's what I see right now myself. And in the future, I hope that a year from now to come back, uh, but it will be more focused on mental health, which is what I'm learning mm-hmm. at school. Yeah. So I would love to bring uh, professors, uh, people in the area of psychology, and that they can share their stories yeah. and how they've been you know, being able to help others. So if I continue, it might be like in a slower pace, Yeah. but you know, it's to keep people engaged. Yeah. Um, but that's where I'm transitioning right now. Yeah. And I'm figuring out what will that take for me to get the certification to help athletes. So I'm figuring out a lot of things while helping other people. That's, dude, awesome. I love that. You know, first of all, the Philippians verse, uh, mm. Four, four stars of rejoice in the Lord. Mm. Again, I say rejoice. And you know, you talk about joy. Mm. You know, what brings you joy? You, it's good to be out front. You know, God calls us to be out there sometimes. But he also calls us to just be a servant and do the work. And and what, what I hear you say is that you have a lot of joy serving people. Mm-hmm. I get that. You, you're serving me. Yeah. You know, we're doing podcasts here. And so, but what brings me joy is hearing your story, mm-hmm. right? Uh, your journey from the DR to America, uh, college, baseball, getting married, you know, what's, what's your story? What, you know, where do you want to be in five or 10 years? You know, and I realize that we have to depend on, upon God, you know, walking by means of the spirit, you know, waiting for him, being patient. You, you talk about being patient. So I'm not, I'm not patient. I mean, it's not a natural thing for us to be patient, but, uh, patience is a beautiful thing. When God's in it, mm. so I, I love I love where you're at. Mm. Well, you, you've learned a lot along the way. Um, what are some questions I can ask you? Is there any questions that maybe, uh, well, an interpreter for missionaries? I mean, we can talk about that. We can talk about being a youth group pastor. Talk about that real quick. Kind of what what you're thinking. You know, are you still a youth group pastor? Do you still find joy in doing that? What does that look like moving forward? Um, yeah, talk about that. Yeah, so let's go with the missionary part. Um, for me, it was such a blessing to be able to learn English, which is an amazing skill. And if somebody was listening to me and they will be wondering what language they should learn, if you're an English speaker, make sure you try to learn Spanish. I think it is so helpful, especially here in the Northwest. Um, as there are a lot of Hispanics and the system is changing all the time. So I think being able to communicate with people and I can see their faces, how speaking their language, how they feel joy and they feel connected. Um, so for me, it was a, such a blessing to be able to serve in the uh, villages we call Bate uh, in the DR. So that's like poor communities. Yeah. You know, sugarcane is very... Uh, predominant uh yeah. that's a common job for people like lower class uh so that's something that i would love to do uh to go back with missionaries group because i can see the need the need of hope the need of not just to share the, the gospel but also to provide support yeah. uh something tangible that people can um make a something that we can make a lasting impact in people's lives so that's something that I would love to see myself doing in the future. Um, youth group. Um, 
I don't feel the same as I was, if you ask me, five years ago. That was my go-to passion. Mm -hmm. I remember even talking, uh, mentioning to Mariah, I'm like, what if how many youth pass through you? Would you be down for that? And she was like, yeah, I'm down. So she's, I'm down. she's down for everything I would do. Uh, the tricky thing was playing professional baseball. So that was the dream. Right. So for her, she was like, ah. Oh. Uh, so it has to be done in a, in a different way. But the whole point with the youth group, I'm willing to help bring in content. Yeah. Uh, that's where I'm headed right now. Yeah. Um, and I think I can provide some value for the church, uh, El Buen Pastor in Beaverton. So that's where I see myself right now. But anyways, I am connected with some parents and the way I can see myself helping is by, instead of being in groups, I'm more like into the one-on-one, like mentoring. Yeah. And that's something that I love that you guys are doing here yeah. in Salem. I would love to bring this to Beaverton because uh, I don't know much of what's going on in there. So I'm more from here, from Salem, because that's where uh, most of my connections are. Yeah. But I can see the need over there uh, of mentoring. So that's something that I appreciate for from this community. And I would love to bring that over there. So I see myself working more one-on-one. Yeah. Um, just getting together, listening to where they are at. Um, and one experience that was very impactful for me was working at a correctional facility. So I was able to work with my client. Uh, oh, you did? Yes. I did. Yes. During my time working at the correctional facility, it was a growing experience for me because I learned to connect with people that have different values uh, than me and they come from different background. So one of, for me, it was joyful just to work at the, uh, my favorite units were the intake units hmm. because they were new to the system. They had a lot of questions um, and they were more, more open to share about their stories. And as a common theme that I found, it was, um, you know, the parenting side. Not a lot of people had the opportunity of me having my parents together and being present, having my mom, who was always on top. And we, we always had this rough relationship. And But today, I can I'm, I see her every weekend. I'm like, I'm very thankful for this. Totally. So my dad, whatever, however he was able to help, I'm so thankful for that. So I can see how parenting is so important. So... I can see myself moving instead of just with the youth. I see myself working with parents um, and it would be like, oh, like I don't have a kid. And I'm like, well, but I was a teenager yep. and I, I, I have an idea based on my experience uh, as a teenager and what I've learned as a youth group leader working at a correctional facility. Um, and yeah, so that's how I can see myself making a difference. So interesting. So moving forward, uh, when I hear you say it brings you joy to do the one-on-one mentoring, yeah. uh, really loving these kids that are coming in from as an intake uh, mm-hmm. to McLaren, really pouring into their lives. And I'll bet you most of these, are these both uh, women and men or just men only in this one here? You mean at the correction? Not the correction. Just male. Just male. It would be crazy if it was. Yeah, I I would bet that the majority of those kid, uh, young men, 
uh, have a dysfunctional upbringing, a dad's not a present or something going on with this dysfunction. Yeah, drugs and parenting dysfunction. That was a yeah. main theme that I noticed. And it is unfortunate. I saw kids being like 12 years old getting into the system. And that's something that I, I would do whatever I can to help people not together. And if they're there, I would love at some point to volunteer because uh, yeah. they're, they're struggling with the staffing issues. So yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not easy. So yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. What a gift. Um, yeah, I just, kids need help. And I think, uh, being a mentor, you know, for the rest of your life. So do you think you, uh, you and your wife will also do mission trips together? Like, will you guys, uh, do that, uh, as you progress in marriage and, and what, 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 what are the things you're going to teach your kids when you have your kids? What are some of those lessons that you've taken with you or learned as a kid that maybe your parents taught you that you want to pass on? First of all, I will, I'm aware that I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Okay. Yeah, you're like, thank yeah, God. I've noticed that um, parents put a lot of pressure on the first one and, and all that, all this expectation. Yeah. So I think I will be more flexible. Um, are you a firstborn? I am the youngest. You're the youngest. Okay. Yeah. So I have two, two other brothers, Eric, Eric and Hinberto. So they both they have their families, they have kids. Got it. So that's a good question. I just think I personally, I'll have low expectations of me. I mean, I'll do my best, yeah, yeah. but I don't want to put a lot of pressure on, oh, I want to be this perfect dad. And first of all, I, w I am praying right now for my kid. I'm praying for you right now too and your kids. Yeah, yeah because, you know, parenting is not easy. Mm. And I've seen some like different stories where parents, they have done everything great and things don't turn like their way. And then they feel so guilty and disappointed of like, you know, put the money and put the time um, and this didn't work. And I think what we can control is to put them, put our kids in, you know, in God's name and Lord, we trust you. Uh, we can do our best. Um, and from my parents, um, I appreciate that, uh, even though they came from rough upbringing, uh, they were able to say, okay, I don't want that for my kids and I want to be there for them however I can. Um, so I appreciate that from them taking, it, it was hard, like living in the DR, like it's, it's a hard, it's hard. Uh, you have to thrive, survive. That's how I say. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, just some things that I, as I, my wife and I had two daughters and so raising them early on, you know, as a parent, you don't know what to do. You know, yeah, we, we have the Bible and we can read certain things on, you know, how to love our kids and not provoke them onto anger and raise up in the way they should go. But sometimes it's, I can read it, but not fully understand it or implement it. But one thing I did learn to do is go talk with men who are farther along than me in fatherhood and really be a student of somebody who's been there. And I remember a few men in my life, uh, quite a few men that taught me what I did do. And, and no, no parents perfect. Kids don't remember if you're perfect or not. Well, what they do remember is, did you love me? And, uh, and I know my dad and mom probably, you know, feel guilty at times that they weren't perfect parents, but that's not the things I remember. I, I was loved 
uh, never missed a meal, played sports. I grew up playing baseball and uh, football and wrestling. And, you know, lived a great, a great life. And, and so have you. Mm-hmm. And I think you really appreciate your your heritage, where you came from, where you're at today. You're very grateful. Your attitude is spot on. And really living that way every day of your life, being grateful. Because like you and I heard a story earlier today, you know, sometimes kids don't turn out the way they should and they go down bad roads and yeah, a guy ultimately gets the, the final say, but how much, how much pain is there in that? So, well, Richie, this has been a lot of fun, uh, hearing your story. Uh, you know, you, you, you'd have known each other for maybe a month or two, mm-hmm. maybe three, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I appreciate who you are. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, so I'm going to be watching you and uh, see what you're doing. Yeah. So we'll keep in touch. What uh, what message can you leave our audience with that maybe is important that maybe we didn't cover? Is there anything left in your, your thought that you just want to share before we sign off? Yes. So I've seen, I mean, I've been in Salem for the past four years. And I've seen how the, how this town has been, the city has been changing um, for the past four years in my experience. And I will encourage everyone who's listening or watching to make a difference with just one person at a time. Sometimes we see the problem and we want to fix it, like all of it at once and boom, life is going to be perfect. And I think if we were able to have the mentality, I will be committed to help one person. And I know that if I help one person, that can be transferred for the people around that person. They will be like, okay, where did you find help? Just from that person. So one person at a time, I will encourage them just to ask themselves, who can I help today? And how can I be consistent? So part of my mentoring, uh, that it's instilling me with youth and parent parents. So I decided to start sponsoring sponsoring uh youth in the DR to learn English. True. I'm like, okay, while I'm here, I would love them to be in my position. And I'm aware that because I had amazing support and my dad that was there to support with English and my middle brother Gilberto. And also it was a huge influence to see my brothers uh, being successful. For example, my oldest brother, Eric, he went to Taiwan. Imagine just one person from the neighborhood where we grew up and to see someone go that far, that's a motivation. So based on my story, how far I am, and then helping people to gain skills, that's what I, that's what I see myself making a difference. So... And I would love to encourage other people to do the same, uh, you know, find something that you can help someone. And I know that I won't see the difference right away, but I know, for example, whenever I go back or either a mission trip or visiting, I'll be able to say, wow, I'm proud to see where this person is at based on me just taking the time, helping one person at a time. I want to take up your challenge and really be focused on, because I think we can look at the problem and try to go fix the problem, but really impacting one person at a time and making a difference in their life. You know, we can give a man a fish, he has fish for a day, 
we can teach a man how to fish. He has fish for a life. Hmm. And I think really the call that we're supposed to be is to make disciples. And in a way we're, we're making disciples as we impact one person at a time. So I'm going to take that and make sure I'm asking the question, who would God have me impact today? Hmm. And I can also be impacted too. I'm impacted by you and other men. So it's not like I'm always providing something, but but who would God have me impact today? Mm-hmm. Who's that person? And I, I believe if you pray about it, uh, God will put in your life somebody that you can impact. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Richie, great to have you. Uh, thank you for everyone who listens each week. We appreciate you. If you want to be on our podcast, we'd love to have you. We'd love to hear your story. If you know somebody that would like to be on our podcast, uh, let me know. I'd love to know. Uh, you can email me at buddyp7 at gmail.com. And then lastly for Richie, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they contact you and learn more about you, your story, and kind of, kind of what your passions are and maybe about mentoring? Uh, yeah, they can reach out either on Instagram, YouTube, um, Stories with Richie. I'll put it down below. Yeah, I started with Richie and uh, just reach out there and we can connect so cool well thank you so much for being on our show thank you we'll see you next week